A new season of Bridgerton is here. And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabby Collins. And this season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix. Then fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to catch a new episode every Thursday. Bean Dad, The Dress, 30 to 50 Feral Hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus. And every week we take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who are they? What made them so notorious? How did the internet or the algorithm choose them? And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, and welcome back. Or if you're new, welcome to Movie Mike's Movie Podcast. I am Movie Mike. I am your host, and I am a film enthusiast. I wouldn't call myself a movie critic because that sounds old, crusty, and boring, but I am just a guy who loves movies and does this podcast every single week where I bring you a brand new topic. I cover all the latest movie news, and this week, I want to talk about all the announcements made in the D23 Expo over the weekend. Disney had their big event where they were talking about all the new projects coming in the next few years. I'll give you the top 10 things I'm excited about and maybe you'll be excited about too coming from Disney and Pixar. And then in the movie review, we'll talk about the new movie they dropped on Disney Plus over the weekend, the live action Pinocchio. And then in the trailer park, we'll talk about Glass Onion, which is a Knives Out sequel coming to Netflix. Thanks everybody for listening every single week. Shout out to the Monday Morning Movie crew. And now... Let's talk movies. In a world where everyone and their mother has a podcast, one man stands to infiltrate the ears of listeners like never before in a movie podcast. A man with so much movie knowledge, he's basically like a walking IMDb with glasses. From the Nashville Podcast Network, this is Movie Mike's Movie Podcast. I feel like Disney has been holding out on us for the last few years. 2020 was a weird year for Disney. I feel like after that, they started to shift a lot of how they were putting out movies. And then you had the launch of Disney Plus tangled in that web. And they've really changed their model. In some cases, I like it. And in some cases, I don't. And I think after seeing the events from this D23 Expo, which took place over the weekend, it's kind of like Comic-Con, but just for Disney. They have directors, Kevin Feige, who is the head over there at Marvel, and a bunch of people come out and tease their new projects with their actors. And it's kind of like, this is all we have coming out for the next few years. Here's why you should be excited. And I think this is the most excited I've been after one of their events. 
And I feel like it's kind of a change in the last three years that we're finally going to get some really good projects. So I put together my list of the top 10 things I'm excited about that they teased over the weekend and when they are coming out. But I feel like it's kind of Disney's time to really put everything out there and put everything forward. But I feel like they're a little bit stuck in between having Disney Plus and wanting that to dominate, wanting that to be the best streaming platform to take over Netflix, but also still please all their directors and get their movies seen by the most amount of people, but also make them money, which that's what Disney at the end of the day is in the business of doing. And they do it so well. With all that said, let's get into the top 10 things we should all be excited about from the D23 Expo, starting with number one. The thing I'm most excited about is Pixar announced Inside Out 2. Amy Poehler got up on stage and gave the announcement that they will be making a sequel to the 2015 movie. And now Riley, who you remember from the original one who was a kid, she is now a teenager. They are adding new emotions to her. And this movie is coming out in summer of 2024. And I was talking recently about how Pixar didn't have the strongest decade in the 2010s. My top three Pixar movies from the 2010s would be Toy Story 3 at number one, Coco at number two, and I would put Inside Out right there at number three. So I am excited for this because I think this movie has a lot of potential staying with Riley, staying with her going into her teenage years. And I'm excited for this one because I think even more so than Coco, Inside Out was the last Pixar movie to really tug at my heartstrings and really make me feel emotional. Going back to Bing Bong, who I think is one of the most memorable Pixar characters of all time. This is what Pixar does well. The way I always differentiate Pixar movies and Disney movies is Disney movies are usually like fairy tales or animal based while Pixar movies have that too. Pixar movies are the ones that make you feel they're the ones that tug at your emotions. There's always that one lesson to be learned that'll make you cry. And that is exactly what Pixar's Inside Out did. Pixar always takes inanimate objects and gives them feelings. Toy Story is what if toys could feel cars is what is cars could feel. And then you have Inside Out is what if emotions could feel and had emotions. So I think this is one of the title roles when it comes to Pixar, which they also just rarely do sequels. We really had to fight for an Incredibles 2. I think we got so many Cars movies because those made so much in merchandise. And then, of course, their best film, Toy Story, they could keep cranking those out and they would keep making money on those. But when it comes to the ones that we've really come to know and love, like Ratatouille, where's Ratatouille 2? Why, why didn't that get announced? Anyway, going back to this, I think this is really exciting, especially because Amy Poehler still a part of it. I'm curious to see the other emotions they add. And that movie just makes me feel really good. So I can't wait for another installment coming to us in 2024. Next up at number two, Pixar announced a movie called Elemental, which is coming out on June 16th, 2023. Now, this movie tells the story of a busting metropolis where earth, air, fire, and water elements live. Just by looking at the poster of this movie, 
I kind of get an Inside Out vibe. It almost looks like Inside Out meets the movie Osmosis Jones. The character in this movie in this still looks exactly like Osmosis Jones. I don't know if they were thinking we weren't going to pick up on that, but I caught that. Going back to the plot of the movie, there is this fire girl and a water boy and the two must navigate how to interact while being polar opposites. And during the D23 event, the director also said that the movie will focus on themes of immigration and finding your place in the world. And I thought the poster for the movie was pretty interesting. You have the fire girl's hand and the water boy's hand also going to meet and the contrast between the two. And the aesthetic of this has a lot of that from inside out. So I think that's why I'm so excited about this one. So I put this one at number two. At number three, I'm staying in the Pixar realm. Everything in my top slots are Pixar films. I just find that they are really pushing the limits of animation right now, pushing the limits of what their style is and being the most adventurous in what their history and their legacy has been, which has greatly been built on making quote unquote children's films. I think what we saw with Soul and some of their other movies since, they don't exactly have to do that, especially with movies like Lightyear. They can kind of go off and branch off, which can be hit or miss for audiences. I think for people like me, millennials who grew up with the golden age of Pixar movies, we have kind of grown up and are still watching these movies. So maybe more of these are speaking to us now. And that's where number three finds me Pixar's Ilio, which is a new project that they say centers around an 11 year old boy named Ilio who is trying to fit in. He finds himself transported across the galaxy and is mistaken for the intergalactic ambassador for our planet Earth. And by looking at the first piece of animation, it's the still that they shared from this expo event. And it looks the most unlike any other Pixar movie that they've ever done. And I really am excited for Pixar going into the sci-fi space. I think they can flex all they want in this type of genre. And I think it's a wonderful place for them to operate, mainly because their animation style plays into it so well. After watching Lightyear, which I actually really enjoyed, I know a lot of people had problems with that movie. I think the root of it was because it was kind of pitched as a Toy Story movie and really was just a love letter to sci-fi that didn't have to be in the Toy Story universe at all. But I think at the core of that movie, what it showed me was how beautiful of a film that Pixar can make. And some of the scenes in that movie, I forgot I was watching an animated feature. And it was really the lightheartedness and the jokes that played more towards the kid audience that I was reminded by that. But with a movie like this of Ilio, it seems to be even more in that space because the character's mom was working on a top secret military mission trying to decode alien messages. And that is what I'm seeing in this image here from the movie. You have Ilio dressed up looking like an ambassador and all of these alien creatures around him. I like the color palette used here with the purples and the yellows all in the pastel palette. So I think if you take those sci-fi elements with the lightheartedness of Pixar and their whole brand of making you feel things, this is another one I'm just excited about. So those top three spots all go to Pixar. And now getting into number four, we get into the Disney live action, which I have a love-hate relationship with. 
We'll find out more later when I give my review of Pinocchio, which just came out on Disney+. Plus. But I think at the core of these live action movies, they feel like cash grabs to me because they are all movies that we grew up with, whether they came out when we were kids or we watched them on VHS. And they've just been historic Disney titles that now are getting live action treatments that can sometimes be good, but rarely great. But at number four is a movie I think can be great. It is called Mufasa, The Lion King, and it's coming to theaters in 2024. The movie is directed by Barry Jenkins, and it tells the story how Simba's father, Mufasa, rose from humble beginnings to become the ruler of the Pride Lands. So yes, it is a Lion King prequel. And I really like this quote from the director, from D23, he said, I had to make this movie because when I was 14, I was raising two nephews and there was a VHS tape that we watched about 95 times in the span of two days. I was thinking about Mufasa and how he becomes great. I am not a king. I am not a king. Mufasa is great because of the family and friends he has with him. So I feel like Barry Jenkins, like the rest of us, was a big fan of Lion King. And I love it when people who were fans of a movie as a kid go on to grow up and be able to direct another installment in the franchise. I think that is a powerful thing. And I think when you have somebody who was a fan of something as a kid, they are going to bring those elements that made that movie great. And this movie is in the live action space, which I think is a little bit of a stretch. The live action 2019 Lion King it's really just an animated movie that the animals just look more realistic. And I do think that The Lion King was one of the best Disney live action movies. Although I don't think that is saying much that is attributed to the movie being pretty much scene for scene exactly what the animated movie was as far as the story. So you really can't mess up The Lion King by just making the exact same movie with a new style of visual. I just think what you find with that version of The Lion King and much like all of these other live action remakes is some of the live action just takes away the charm of it. It takes away the warmth of it. It takes away the beauty of animation. There is something so powerful about animation that when it comes to storytelling, it sometimes just allows us to escape into an entirely different world. And I think that adds a lot of value to the storytelling that you can't just make a live action movie out of an animated movie and expect it to be great and everybody to love it the same. There's just so much you can do with animation that I think that concept gets missed out on a little bit. But I think in the hands of Barry Jenkins, we have a good shot at getting a really good prequel here, which I'm not the biggest fan of prequels. But he also directed the Oscar winning movie Moonlight and he also directed Beale Street could talk, so he definitely has the credentials here. And although the trailer hasn't been posted online, there was a glimpse of it at the D23 Expo that begins at Pride Rock with a voiceover from Rafiki paired up with the famous melody from the Lion King soundtrack kind of swooping across the Pride lines. And we see a baby Mufasa caught in a flood and washed away. So it looks like this movie will tell Mufasa's story of being an orphan cub and having to navigate the world alone. So I think that sounds pretty epic to me. And if you're wondering, it doesn't look like Timon and Pumbaa will be a part of this movie. So maybe it will lack some comic relief, but maybe they'll add in some other fun characters in there. Up next at number five, I'm going to put The Little Mermaid. And I've been curious to see the first 
bit of footage from The Little Mermaid. And after seeing this, I'm now excited for it. I think if there is one Disney classic that would benefit from the live action treatment, it's actually The Little Mermaid. Because I think building that under the sea world, the visuals are still there. It doesn't just feel like here's a normal everyday situation and all these people around it, like say maybe in Aladdin. This is truly creating a world that we are entirely unfamiliar with. Also with the singing elements, I think this live action adaptation can really bring some life to this franchise, which this movie came out back in 1989, the original. So I'm honestly surprised they've waited this long to remake this movie. At the expo, they revealed some new footage, and here's just a little bit of the trailer with the song Part of Your World. Out of the sea Wish I could be So I think this trailer looks pretty epic. Halle Bailey's singing sounds fantastic. I think she makes a great aerial. And this movie comes out in theaters on May 26, 2023. So we don't have that long to wait. At number six, they announced a new movie coming out on Disney Plus in 2023. And it is Peter Pan and Wendy. The movie includes Ever Anderson as Wendy, Jude Law as Captain Hook, and Alexander Maloney as Peter Pan. So it looks like this movie will give a little bit more of their backstory, also how Peter Pan and Wendy became friends, which I love the original animated Peter Pan movie. That was always one of my favorite movies to watch as a kid. And then as much as I love the animated movie, I probably love Hook which was the live action movie with Robin Williams, that much more. And Peter Pan is just a very theatrical franchise. And there have been several other movies like Pan, Finding Neverland, the Tinkerbell movies. But I don't think anything has really captured the magic like the original 1953 film or the live action movie in 1991. But I like that this movie will center around Peter Pan and Wendy more. And I also just like the idea of Jude Law playing Captain Hook. And this feels like a pretty strategic thing to put this movie out on Disney+. Plus. As I mentioned, all of the other spinoffs and retellings of the story, I think us as moviegoers maybe wouldn't be rushing to buy a ticket to yet another telling of Peter Pan. But definitely a great way they could kind of push it on Disney+, Plus and generate some buzz there, which... Really, what I've seen from this expo announcement is they are in the business of boosting their subscribers. And if we get a Peter Pan movie out of it, I'm all right with that. And that kind of brings me to number seven, which I have Snow White, which they announced. And they gave a brief glimpse at the new Snow White movie, which is supposed to come out in theaters in 2024. The movie stars Rachel Zegler as Snow White and Gal Gadot, a.k.a. Wonder Woman, as the Evil Queen. I think the interesting here is that Gal Gadot will be the villain in this movie. I'm pretty familiar with just watching her as the hero and everything, so curious to see how she plays a villain. And at the event over the weekend, Disney also said they would give classic characters like Snow White and Wendy a more modern take on these classic tales, which have kind of been done 
and told over and over again. As Peter Pan has had so many retellings of that movie in different iterations, I think Snow White has probably had the most to where I kind of lost count with all the Maleficent movies, with Snow White and the Huntsman, also with movies like Mirror Mirror, and that's due to Snow White becoming public domain, and that means Disney doesn't have to be behind every Snow White movie. And as a kid, Snow White and the Seven Dwarves from 1937 was one of the only VHS tapes my family had. So I watched this movie an incredible amount of times over and over again. So I have that movie memorized. And I do think fairy tales are Disney's bread and butter. That's really what they do well. They just haven't quite translated to live action yet. I think the second up from having the most benefit here next to The Little Mermaid would probably be Snow White. So that's why I put this one at number seven. At number eight, I'm going with Hocus Pocus 2, which was announced a while ago, but they just released another trailer for Hocus Pocus 2, which was announced a while ago, but they did start the first day of this D23 Expo with a new trailer that gives us a better look at what this movie is going to look like, and it's coming out on Disney Plus on September 30th, so right in time for Halloween season, which I'm already queuing up all my horror movies, and I think Hocus Pocus is a great Halloween family movie. Probably do an episode on family-friendly Halloween movies, and I think this one ranks up there pretty high and you have all of the original Sanderson sisters back and I think that was a big part of making this sequel if you didn't get all the originals back this movie would have really felt like a cash grab but I think having them back reprising their roles makes me interested in this movie and then after seeing the trailer although I'm still excited for it because one of my favorite Halloween movies as a kid probably still as an adult at least one that's not like a full-on horror movie. The only problem I have with this one, since it's not a remake, this is a sequel. The problem I have is it looks exactly the same as Hocus Pocus 1, down to all of the jokes, down to the plot line. So I think, hopefully, just in the trailer, they are trying to remind us of that and get us interested again and get us excited with that nostalgia, but I just hope that they don't make the exact same movie again in the sequel, which I hate it when sequels do that. Why? We want an updated story. We want to experience new things. It's not enough just to place the Sanderson sisters in 2022 with iPhones now and have the teen speaking, you know, Gen Z talk. That is not what we're looking for. I want some new plot lines, some new wrinkles into the story, maybe a new character. But as of now from this trailer, it looks exactly the same as the first one, which is fine. I'll still enjoy it. I would hope that they added in some new updated jokes in there, some new gags to make this one fun for kids who have never seen the original one and are discovering this for the very first time. And I think that is greatly what kind of the live action movies miss out on is if you base it on just watching this one, was it even worth it? But I'll get more into that when I talk about Pinocchio. But at number eight, Hocus Pocus 2 coming out on September 30th. They dropped that new trailer. And number nine, we forget this is associated with Disney, but Indiana Jones, an 80 year old Harrison Ford came out on stage and got emotional after showing footage of the new Indiana Jones movie. 
the director of this fifth Indiana Jones movie, was also there. He shared some clips from the movie, which showed off an epic car chase with Harrison Ford racing through a subway horseback, which going back to Harrison Ford being 80 years old. And at this expo, they said that this will be his last movie as Indiana Jones, which I got a little bit sad for, but also remembering he is 80 years old. He has been in so many iconic movies. I mean, you take away Indiana Jones and he could just be known as Han Solo, but he's also Indiana Jones. He was also in Blade Runner. He is one of the most influential movie stars of our time who is still making movies. And as I got sad that this would be his final one, yes, it should be his final one. I am just excited that he is playing the role one last time and hearing about the scenes they shared from this movie over the weekend, it sounds like it's going to be a pretty epic ride for somebody who didn't have to make this movie. And on stage, he got emotional, received a standing ovation after he said that the new Indiana Jones movie is a movie that will kick you in the A. And he noted that this will be his last turn as the archaeologist adventure, saying with a laugh, I will not fall down for you again. The movie also stars Phoebe Waller-Bridge, and it's coming out in movie theaters on June 30th, 2023. I'm already excited for next year's summer blockbuster season. I got to see this Indiana Jones movie. And then at number 10, the 10th thing we should all be excited about after D23 over the weekend, I'm lumping in all of the Marvel announcements and teasers that happened at D23. And I think all of this was kind of tacked on because Marvel really went off during Comic-Con where they announced everything coming in the next phases of Marvel. And I felt like this was just them taking those announcements and kind of adding in a little bit more detail on everything, giving some visuals, which I thought were cool. It kind of helped me in my mind place all the characters and place all the projects. Sometimes when they do those big announcements at Comic-Con, it kind of just sounds like titles and release dates thrown at you and you forget where everything gets connected. But having some more details, having the actual cast members up there and having all of their stories kind of placed where they fit in line with all these titles. And also sometimes it gets confusing with what's a series and what's a movie. Again, it gets all kind of mixed in there with all of Disney Plus. And the project they teased again that I'm probably the most excited out of all of the movie announcements over the weekend was them giving a little bit more details about Captain America New World Order with Anthony Mackie returning as Captain America. And they revealed that Tim Blake Nelson will be in this new movie and he hasn't been in the MCU since 2008's The Incredible Hulk, which I really enjoyed that movie. The Incredible Hulk is one of my favorite Marvel characters. I'm very into She-Hulk right now. I know people were kind of ripping that TV show a new one, but I just think Incredible Hulk as a whole kind of gets a bad rap when it comes to the movies. Even though Mark Ruffalo has done such a great job with the character, still when it comes to the solo projects of the Incredible Hulk, people just love to hate on him. Just give the Hulk a chance. So I was excited to see him back returning in this movie where he played the leader. Captain America New World Order is coming out on May 3rd, 2024. So a couple years to wait for this one. But it marks Anthony Mackie's first time in the role following the events of Falcon and the Winter Soldier. 
And speaking of the Incredible Hulk, Tim Roth will also be in this movie, which he was also the abomination in that 2008 Incredible Hulk movie. And right now he just returned to She-Hulk on Disney+. Plus. So it seems like they are taking all of the elements of the Incredible Hulk and putting them into the Captain America world, which, hey, while we're at it, why don't we bring together all the old Incredible Hulks together in a movie? They're all still alive. We have Ed Norton, who I'll talk about later in the Knives Out movie. Mark Ruffalo still playing the Hulk and She-Hulk. Eric Bana still around. Lou Ferrigno still around. It's the multiverse saga, baby. Let's make it happen. A side note on that. Paul Rudd, Evangeline Lilly were also there at the event, and they talked about Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania, which they are saying this thing is bananas. That's a direct quote from Paul Rudd. And they said it's going to be unlike anything you've ever seen from Ant-Man. So that's it. The top 10 things I'm excited about from Disney and Pixar after their big announcement at D23. And that's also not mentioning all the Disney Plus series that they announced and teased. Which I would get into if my name was TV Mike, but it's not. It's Movie Mike. Up next, I'll talk about my review of Pinocchio on Disney Plus, And then we'll get into the new Knives Out sequel. Bean Dad, The Dress, 30 to 50 Feral Hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus, where every week I take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who were they? What made them so notorious? Why did the internet choose them? And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? I'll be talking to internet historians, experts, and yes, the main characters themselves to get a fuller picture. Because I think that even outside individual experiences, a character of the day tells us something about how the internet worked at that time and how the attention economy developed into the freaky three-headed dragon it is today. Together, we probably won't be able to properly log out, but we can take a walk down scary internet memory lane and see one day a little more clearly. Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. A new season of Bridgerton is here. And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabrielle Collins, and this season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. Colin Bridgerton has returned from his travels abroad. Is betrothal written in the stars for The Eligible Bachelor? Meanwhile, the ton is reverberating with speculation of who holds Lady Whistledown's pen. We're discussing it all. I sit down with Nicola Coughlin, Luke Newton, Shonda Rhimes, and more to offer an exclusive peek behind the scenes of each episode of the new season. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix. Then... Fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to catch a new episode every Thursday. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. 
it's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. (gasps) What? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Going to get into a movie review now. Let's talk about Pinocchio, which just came out over the weekend on Disney+. Plus. You have Tom Hanks as Geppetto in this live-action remake of a Disney classic. And Disney movies, they're supposed to help you escape into an entirely different world. They're supposed to teach you lessons. They're supposed to make you laugh. They're supposed to make you sing. And the question is, did this movie do that? Did it bring justice to the original Pinocchio, which came out in 1940? Did it even need to be remade? Before I get into my full spoiler-free review, here's just a little bit of the Pinocchio trailer. An almost real boy. (laughs) Turn around, let me get a look at you. Pinocchio is running around loose without a conscience. Can you imagine the trouble he's going to get into? Wouldn't want that on my conscience. Everybody who's anybody wants to be a somebody. But I want to be real. Why on earth would you want to be real when you can be famous? All right. So let's talk about this live action remake. The first 15, 20 minutes, I thought this movie had a lot of potential Mainly with the visuals, I thought Disney did a pretty good job at giving this movie a reason to have a live action adaptation, which the original movie came out in 1940, 80 years ago. Obviously, technology has greatly increased since then, but why that movie remains a classic is because of the story it tells and the memorable characters it created, which I would believe, even if you haven't seen Pinocchio, you know what it's about. Wooden boy comes to life, and every time he tells a lie, his nose grows. Everybody knows at least that about Pinocchio. And in this movie, you have Tom Hanks as Geppetto, Joseph Gordon-Levitt as the voice of Jiminy Cricket, and Keegan-Michael Key as the voice of the fox. And the movie is a retelling of the classic story. You have Geppetto, who is trying to keep on the memory of his son, who it doesn't really explain what happened to him or his wife, but he does so by creating this wooden puppet, and he names him Pinocchio because he made him out of pine wood. And then one night, he wishes upon a star for his new wooden boy to become a real boy. And that same night, a blue fairy comes down, sprinkles some magic on the puppet, and suddenly Pinocchio has come to life. Geppetto freaks out and then gets to live out his wish 
of having a family now, having his son back. And where the plot of this movie escalates is he sends out Pinocchio without his supervision and sends him off to his first day of school. The Blue Fairy appointed Jiminy Cricket to be his conscience, obviously, because Pinocchio is a wooden boy. He doesn't have one. He doesn't know right from wrong. Jiminy Cricket is supposed to go along with him and keep him out of trouble. But he finds trouble, which we heard in that trailer. The fox is voiced by Keegan-Michael Key, and he is the first person to kind of test Pinocchio and entice him with this life of being famous because he is a spectacle to be seen, a wooden boy who can walk without any strings. So first 20 minutes, I found it pretty entertaining, although the vibe and the feeling of this movie felt a little bit off. Instead of feeling like a movie, it kind of just felt like a play that was shot on a stage and kind of like there was an audience supposed to be there. It had the live action feel, but it felt more like a high school production. And even with Tom Hanks as being one of the elite actors who can really do anything, I felt like I was watching him in a high school production. And then the whole idea of Pinocchio and Geppetto creating this puppet feels a little bit more weird as a live action movie. I gotta say Geppetto feels kind of like a creepy weird character (laughs) and his entire existence of living in this shop and holding on to all these clocks because what they meant to his wife. The whole thing just felt a little bit more sad because it wasn't a cartoon. So... I think the heart of the movie started to wear out a little bit. But where this movie really just kind of lost me is as the story goes on and on and you get introduced to all these other weird characters, they don't really all fit together. It does in an animated movie, but when you make it live action... And the problem with that is the entire movie just starts to feel a little bit stale and lifeless. There's no heart to it. Kind of like... Pinocchio, the wooden boy, doesn't have a heart, doesn't have a conscience. This movie doesn't have a heart. It doesn't have a conscience. And I also just feel like overall, as a Disney movie, it didn't really teach a lesson. And if it did, it was a very generic one. You have all these small moral dilemmas that Pinocchio has to deal with. And it's kind of him having to choose between right or wrong in certain cases. Does he want to be famous or does he want to go to school? Like, what exactly are you trying to teach here? And then when it came back to the visuals, which at the start of the movie, I thought they looked pretty cool. But as the movie went on and on, it felt like they cared less and less about making memorable scenes. And the entire visual design of this movie just really started to lack animation. It almost looked like animation from 2008 and not 2022. Maybe that's because it's a straight to Disney Plus movie and they didn't spend as much in post-production. But in a lot of these scenes, especially with the visuals at Pleasure Island, which that's another thing. In the original movie, Pinocchio actually drinks beer and it discourages it. The whole message behind that was to show kids that smoking and drinking is bad when done by children. But in this movie, not really a spoiler here, but they replace the beer with root beer, which immediately takes the weight out of the situation. Of course, it doesn't matter if it's root beer. The whole idea behind that entire lesson is to show that drinking and smoking were bad. Now I get you don't probably want to show in a kid's movie people drinking and smoking that was okay back in the 1940s but with the story about Pinocchio and teaching right from wrong 
you kind of got to do it. Like that is the lesson to be taught here. It's supposed to show that things like that and temptations and the whole idea behind Pleasure Island that life can't all be pleasure. You have to do things and you have to contribute to society. You can't be having fun and partying all the time. That's the lesson to be taught here. So I feel like Pinocchio really doesn't learn a whole lot in this movie. And it could have been an opportunity to show something a little bit more of a lesson to kids. I think the real lesson it taught is that you probably shouldn't let your wooden boy walk to their first day of school. You should probably just drop him off yourself. That would have saved the entire conflict in this movie. And if they would have just taught some more real life lessons, I think this movie would have been a lot better if they would have focused on making some of the visuals a lot more appealing instead of some C, almost D grade CGI that could have been done 15 years ago, there would have been more of a reason to make a live action Pinocchio movie in 2022 and not just slap Tom Hanks on it and call it a day. I also think that this movie would be a lot more interesting if he hadn't created Pinocchio to be his you know, very young son, if it would have been like a teenage boy, then you could have taught a lot more lessons. But that's probably an entirely different movie. I think you could even turn this into like a PG-13 R-rated comedy to get into some more obscure decisions between right and wrong. But that's just where my brain went to watching this movie because I just felt it was so lifeless and boring. I really checked out towards the end and found the entire thing to be a bit of a letdown, especially when there is a Pinocchio movie that I'm much more excited to see coming out on Netflix. Later this year, it is Pinocchio, and it is from the mind of Guillermo del Toro, who this has been a major passion project for him, and it's also done in an entirely different animation style. He uses stop motion and the entire thing is supposed to be darker and a little bit more based on the original story. So that is actually the movie I'm looking forward to now. And I'm just going to try to get the bad taste out of this one out of my mouth. If I had to rate Pinocchio from Disney+, Plus, I would give it 2 out of 5 real boys. Don't waste your time. Don't even show it to your kids. Show them the original one from 1940. Bean Dad. The Dress. 30 to 50 feral hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus, where every week I take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who were they? What made them so notorious? Why did the internet choose them? And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? I'll be talking to internet historians, experts, and yes, the main characters themselves to get a fuller picture. Because I think that even outside individual experiences, a character of the day tells us something about how the internet worked at that time and how the attention economy developed into the freaky three-headed dragon it is today. Together, we probably won't be able to properly log out, but we can take a walk down scary internet memory lane and see one day a little more clearly. Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. A new season of Bridgerton is here. And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabrielle Collins, and this season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. 
Colin Bridgerton has returned from his travels abroad. Is betrothal written in the stars for the eligible bachelor? Meanwhile, the ton is reverberating with speculation of who holds Lady Whistledown's pen. We're discussing it all. I sit down with Nicola Coughlin, Luke Newton, Shonda Rhimes, and more to offer an exclusive peek behind the scenes of each episode of the new season. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix. Then fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to catch a new episode every Thursday. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. (gasps) What? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. It's time to head down to Movie Mike's Trailer Park. Heading on down to the trailer park. Talking about a movie coming out soon on Netflix. And that movie is Knives Out, Glass Onion. I'm excited for this movie for a variety of reasons. And I think it's because I didn't expect to like the original Knives Out as much as I did. I think that movie greatly benefited from word of mouth. It was a movie I saw the trailer for. Didn't really have any interest in watching. I'm not the biggest fan of Daniel Craig. But it was really the power of friends and family watching that movie and loving it so much and talking about it that made me want to see it. And then being, dare I say, blown away by it because it comes from a genre that at the time I wasn't really interested in. But now find myself really enjoying a whodunit murder mystery so Coming out on Netflix on December 23rd, we have Knives Out and Glass Onion, and here's just a little bit of the new trailer. Ladies and gentlemen. This is it. You expected the mystery. Get your hand off of that. You expected a puzzle. But for one person on this island, this is not a game. So here we go, a new installment in the Knives Out franchise. You have Daniel Craig returning, but he is the only one coming back from the original movie. So it kind of looks now 
like the Knives Out franchise can go on forever the way they're setting it up because you have an entirely new cast of characters, everybody from Dave Bautista to Leslie Odom Jr. to Kate Hudson, Janelle Monet, and you have a new murder mystery involving this entirely new cast of colorful suspects. I think the addition to the cast I'm most excited about is Edward Norton, who plays one of the culprit characters. And I think what sets apart Knives Out from all the other murder mysteries, what I originally thought Knives Out was going to be was kind of a clue ripoff. But what Knives Out did so well was creating this style and creating this through cinematography through the unique plot line and through really the direction of the storytelling in this movie is what made it great. It built some great suspense. It added some twists and turns that made it just an interesting watch and made it highly entertaining. It's a genre that I've just never really been interested in, but now find myself anytime another whodunit movie comes out, I want to watch it because I realize it adds an entirely different element to movie watching. You as the viewer are playing the game like all the other characters trying to figure it out. And I take a lot of pride if I'm able to figure it out maybe halfway through the movie or even earlier and be able to nail it at the end. And since then, I've watched movies like Death on the Nile in theaters and Bodies, Bodies, Bodies. And one of those, I nailed it. And one of them, I had no idea. And I'm also just... Not the biggest fan of Daniel Craig. I haven't really got into him as James Bond, but I love him in this role. I think this is a movie franchise that I could watch over and over again. And I think it's kind of what Death on the Nile and Murder on the Orient Express are trying to, they tried to kind of build a a franchise with that follow-up of Death on the Nile. I don't really think they had as good of a follow-up to that, but I think this movie is so highly anticipated because that first one was kind of unexpected that there are a couple things that can happen here. If they're able to get another hit, they kind of set themselves up to be able to bring in some more A-listers, some new talent to really keep making these movies every couple few years and be really successful it also puts Netflix in a pretty big spot. This is a really big win for them to get such a big movie that did really well at the box office. That also did really well with critics now being a Netflix original movie. Like this is a big title for them. Probably one of the biggest franchises they've acquired in a very long time. So there's also some weight to it being just on Netflix coming out right around the holiday season which last year they had Red Notice, which was one of their biggest movies of last year. So this could be right up there with that as far as streaming numbers and people going to Netflix to watch this movie, which they've had some pretty big flops over there this year, I gotta admit. So I'm looking forward to a lot of that. And again, just by watching this trailer, I kind of see what sets them apart. There's so many just fun stylistic choices in the cinematography. I love the subtle humor in this. I love all the actors, and this is another one I'm really looking forward to seeing this year again. That comes out on Netflix on Friday, December 23rd. And that was this week's edition of Movie Minds Trailer Park. And that's going to do it for another episode here of the podcast. I have to say, before I get into the listener shout out, I want to say thank you to everybody who listens to this podcast, which I know I try to show my appreciation as much as I can. But recently, as somebody who creates content, as somebody who 
does a podcast every single week, which if you're familiar with some of my work, not only do I do this podcast, I also work as a writer on the Bobby Bone Show. I produce the Bobby Cast. I have a new sports podcast called 25 Whistles. So there's a lot of things I'm involved in, but this one is really my favorite to get to do because movies are my passion and I love connecting with you guys with movies. But as somebody who creates content week after week, sometimes it's hard to, sometimes it's just hard. I'll, I'll just say it that way. Sometimes it is difficult to know if you are really doing anything that matters. As much pride as I take in trying to make entertaining and interesting episodes and cover topics that I think you will enjoy as well, sometimes it just feels like you can put things out and nobody cares about it. I think it's seeing the response from you and seeing the interaction from you that really kind of keeps me going. So while I do this listener shout out to show my appreciation to you, it also just kind of helps me realize that anybody still cares. And that is why this week I am shouting out Wendy, who left me this comment on Facebook over the weekend. And Wendy wrote, you were seriously made for podcasting. I listened to a bunch and yours is the one I get excited for when I see a new one. It's the little joys for this chaotic mama's life. Thank you for doing what you do. So that comment really made my day. So I appreciate that, Wendy. And the internet can be a dark and cynical place for anybody who makes content of something they're passionate about. Because for the one person like Wendy telling you that they are a fan of you, there are so many more telling you you should probably hang it up or don't do a very good job or that you're wrong and dumb and should quit. So appreciate that, Wendy. It gave me the motivation I needed to do this episode today and to continue on and connecting with you guys. And I will also say I am getting back to another passion of mine, and it is doing stand-up comedy. We announced recently, and tickets just went on sale for a comedy show I am opening up for, Bobby Bones at the Encore at the Win in Las Vegas. So stand-up comedy has been another passion of mine. I've always enjoyed writing jokes and getting to perform them on a stage gives me a thrill unlike really any other project i'm involved in so i'll be doing 10 minutes of new material that i've been working on in the last year so if you want to come see me do that you can get tickets they're still available at bobbybones.com i would love to get to see some members of the movie crew out at that show thanks again for listening to the podcast and until next week go out and watch good movies and i will talk to you later a new season of Bridgerton is here. And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabby Collins. And this season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix. Then fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to catch a new episode every Thursday. Bean Dad, The Dress, 30 to 50 Feral Hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus. And every week we take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who are they? What made them so notorious? How did the internet or the algorithm choose them? And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.